0: Are you ready for a raw, honest, uncensored look at addiction and recovery? Rachel, are you ready?
1: I'm so ready.
0: Okay, if you're not ready for that, then I'd suggest turning this off right now, right? <laughs>
1: but you definitely will not want to.
0: <laughs> you are watching Odyssey House Journals, uh, one of the most watched podcasts that, that deals with the recovery and, and addiction issues. And I'm Randall Carlisle, and my co-host is Rachel Santizo. It's so good to see you. You always wear a different t-shirt promoting something. So what, what is it today?
1: So on my shirt today, it says, speak up. And I think that that is a very powerful phrase because I think our stories are so impactful and powerful. And so I'm encouraging people to speak up for who they are and how they are.
0: Great idea. Thank you. Yeah, you're going to run out of t-shirts sometime, even though there's a lot of t-shirts talking about the recovery movement. It's true. So if anybody
1: wants to send me any in, please do so.
0: I'm more than willing to wear it. Maybe we can get our our one viewer over in Russia to send something in Russian. That would be fun.
1: Team Igor, please do
0: it. (laughs) You, You know, at some point when this whole pandemic thing is over, we are going to be able to move into a new studio, which will be so nice compared to doing all this on zoom don't you think
1: yeah i can't wait for that connection and where we can really like feed off each other's energy in a more powerful way powerful is my word today clearly but it's just so powerful and especially our guest speaker i can't get it out of my mind but it will be very beneficial looking forward to it
0: well you know speaking of doing things on zoom i've always wondered since you know a lot of like uh, a lot of outpatient treatment and, and all sorts of medical things are being done on Zoom these days. And I always wondered uh, if it's as effective as in person stuff. And, and I came across this there's a study, uh, there's six different studies that came out that were released this week. And they claim that video sessions with a qualified therapist are not significantly less effective than in-person sessions, which I thought was interesting. Well, I'd have to agree
1: with it. I mean, I, I myself do Zoom therapy sessions and I think it's actually kind of nice when I set the tone and I do it in a comfort safe space for me. And so I would completely agree with that.
0: I still think it'll be nice to get back in person for doing everything at some point. Right. By the way, you can watch this on YouTube. Uh, and you can listen to it on iTunes, Spotify, and iHeart. And now the big reveal. Who is our guest this week, Rachel?
1: Oh, man. This tremendous, spiritual, powerful, honest, humble man. He's actually said something so profound to me that I got it tattooed on myself. And so without further ado, Frank Young.
0: Frank, there he is. Yay, Frank. Hey, Frank, Frank. Right, right, I got to stop before we do anything else. What did he say that you had tattooed? And can you show us your tattoo?
1: Yeah, so it's going to be upside down, but they're elephants. Right here. And I was at a time um, in my sobriety. So they say this a lot, right? So you can be a dry drunk. So it's like you're still sober, but you're struggling internally. Um, and I was at that point. And I went in. Frank has always been very supportive of me. Um, and I went in, and he told me a story about elephants. And now I can't get enough elephants, like in my life around me. And so I will let Frank tell the story.
0: An elephant story, perfect. Frank. <laughs>
2: right. First, thank you for the uh, the uh, intro, Rachel. It was perfect. I'm not gonna lie uh honor for me to be here with you guys um i remember that day i I, that's one of those memories that stays in my mind and it's uh a blessing for sure just like you are but uh rachel was you know she was in it like we get in it from time to time and she came to me and she said you know she we have a cool relationship where we can be transparent and honest with each other without the fear of being judged which i believe is the foundation of recovery um and so I we were talking, and she was telling me where she was at. And I just said, All you have to do is stay with your elephants. And she and she like looked at me and she goes, well, What are you talking about? And I said, You know, elephants, when an elephant gets sick or an elephant gets tired, the rest of the group will support that elephant literally physically. So they put the elephant in the middle and they migrate and they won't let him lay down and they won't let him fall down. And they'll get them to a safe space to where they can go down. Uh, because oftentimes when, a, if, when an elephant does, if it's sick, it'll never get back up again. So it's, uh, it's a story that was told to me a long time ago that has had a really big spiritual impact on the way I view community.
0: Yeah, that, that, that's a pretty significant story. I <laughs> I had never heard that before, but it makes a hell of a lot of sense when we talk about you know the recovery community in Utah is huge. Various organizations and It's pretty amazing, and people outside of the recovery community don't realize how, if you had to guess, Frank, how many people are in recovery in Utah? What what would be your guess? It must be in the thousands.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, and I think a lot of it depends on what your your view of recovery is, right? I I think that now as things are shifting collectively, which I'm super grateful for, I think the recovery is taking on its own look and it's not necessarily the traditional um, recovery mindset that we've had in the past. And I, I think the beauty in that is we're seeing more and more and more people realize that they need healing, right? So it can be for a variety of things from substance misuse to food to, I mean, there's just so much that we can recover from now. And I think, the foundation of all recovery, at least my little humble opinion, Rachel, it's (laughs) very humble. Uh, The basis of what I think recovery is truly is community. And, and, you know, I've been doing, I've been on this path for a long time since, since 2002. And the one thing that I've noticed is the people that have a group that they can come together with, be transparent with, feel safe with, be honest with, um, those are the people that usually have a, a shift in whatever you know direction they need to go you know and I would say it's a lot more than thousand I think it's probably hundreds of thousands maybe in the state you know mm-hmm. I, I think it's a conservative not a maybe it's a overestimation on my part but I think that it could be true
0: yeah i don't I don't doubt that for those Rachel and I are familiar with your story but not everybody watching this is can you give us a a brief recap of where you were and, and, and where you are now and how you got there. But I, yeah. I just want to interject. Uh,
1: Frank, when you tell your story, your shirt, it starts out and it says warrior. And so when you show your shirt, just be careful not to rip it during the podcast, okay?
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know if you noticed, Sorry, but <laughs> Frank is in pretty good shape and there's a reason for that, which he will tell in his story. Uh, so a little bit about me. I I grew
2: up, um, in an addicted home. My parents both suffered from, from, um, well, I think the whole family suffered, you know, to a certain degree for sure, because the household was sick and, uh, they were amazing people who raised me with a lot of good qualities. I mean, there was a lot of love in our home. There was a lot of, of the really good things that, that childhood should be, but there was always an, an, you know the addiction was always at the center of our family, you know. So I, I think I grew up having a lot of traits and personality issue or differences than my peers just because of the home that I grew up in. Um so for me, you fast forward the childhood years, I get to my early adolescence and I have my first drink and it it does all the magic that it does, you know. Um and, and in that I mean there's a couple powerful stories for me, but one one that I like to share specifically with people was the first time that I, I made the decision to drink at 14 years old, I drank an entire bottle of really fine $5 rum.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: it, it wasn't like it, Yeah, it was it's Montego Bay, and it's literally like $5. It's terrible stuff, right? Uh, I was with a group of guys and, and I drank the whole bottle. I mean, essentially, I drank the entire bottle. You know, and, and from that got really sick, did a bunch of things that night that I hadn't never done in my life before. Um, They dropped me off on our front yard in my front yard, knocked on the door and took off. (laughs) So my mom comes out and she's totally heartbroken, just totally heartbroken because, you know, she knows that pattern in our family. And uh, she's, she's like kind of holding me and she's crying and and I'll never forget it. She says, not you, not you right? Like you're the one that's not supposed to do this. And, and it, it broke my heart inside. It did, you know, and, and uh, the important part of this story is my first thought after that is I won't ever do it like this again. And, and that was kind of the, the lie that I chased the entire time I, I used drugs and alcohol, you know, is I didn't ever want it to get to that terrible point again. But that happened a lot with me. <laughs> and I would come out of it, and then again, I would remind myself, I'm never going to do that again, and I would find myself in that same situation the next time or two times after or a month after or whatever. It always brought me back to that, so as my, uh, as my addiction progressed like it does, you know, it did with me, you know, I was introduced to a lot of, of other drugs, and uh, really, it, it really just devastated my life right? And, and I was able to manage it for a while, but it came to a point that I wasn't. And, and I should rewind just a little bit because I have to share a little love. Um, when I was 15 years old, I, I the universe brought me together with my wife. She was 14 years old, very similar life experiences. Like we, had, the, the night that we truly bonded, we were we were scamming in a park, if you know what that word means. I mean, that's how old I am. So we were, we were making out, and uh, we had this entire conversation that we were both petrified to have. She said to me, I have to tell you something, and, and I'm like, oh, no, what is it? And She's like, well, my mom's in prison, and I was overcome with joy because my dad was in prison, and I was afraid to tell her that, right? <laughs> so we have this moment where it's like, oh, yeah, the universe brought us together. Now we went through a lot of stuff together. You know, we were young. We went through addiction together. We used together. We were sick together. We got sober together. We got sick again together. <laughs> we're, you know, we're we're sober again. And it's just been. She's been the uh, she's the rock in my life. She's an amazing woman for sure.
0: And you're still together?
2: Yeah, it'll be our 25th year married here in a week. 25 married. Yeah but a lot of years before we got married and how many kids do you have five the cinco five of those and they're amazing and you know they've they've been through some dark stuff some of them have been through some dark stuff with their mom and dad and some of them have been through well they've all been through the light with their mom and dad And, and um they're just you know that for me that's probably one of the most important things and to be honest with you I hear a lot of people say that you can't get sober for somebody else, but after my last relapse, I did. And I, and I stand by it and it was the truth for me. I wanted to be sober for my wife and my kids. I didn't want them to go through that again, you know?
1: So Frank, I see you with your family and you guys, um, it's one of the things that I admire the most is the loyalty, the integrity, um, the support and the love within your family. I mean, your kids go with you to all your gatherings, all your recovery events. Um, how did you get to that point, though? The prison, the lifestyle, how did you get it to that point? Like, what was the turning point, or how
2: did you do it? Well, in 2002, um, L and I, my wife, I mean, we were totally addicted. Daily meth users for three or four years, and our entire life, like, got burnt down to the ground, for sure. Um, we were living in a hotel on North Temple, and and it was just with the twins. The twins were three years old at that time and you know a bunch of beautiful events that were in darkness happened you know and um and we ended up I ended up getting sober first in my family and well I should say going to rehab and and all of that stuff right so I was kind of in front of her and some other people that ended up following me once that happened and you know Chanel and I we had great treatment providers who allowed us to come together one or two nights a week. We did family nights together. They, they, they saw how, I think they saw how important it was for her and I to share this process together. They worked together and they, they provided us with a really cool opportunity, I think, you know? So once the both of us got on board, we just, we didn't know what the hell we were doing. <laughs> we, we, we didn't, we just, we just wanted to live a life, we wanted the twins to be happy. You know, we wanted, we wanted to break that cycle. I don't, you know, I don't think we ever talked in those terms, but subconsciously, you know, her and I had lived that childhood that we were starting to put those children through. And, um, you know, I, I just, I believe in the nature of love and I believe that that's, that's the great changer, you know, the activator of change is love. And um, so we, st- you know, we started that part of our lives and like, We didn't have a car i I was i was barely hanging on to work by the the skin of my teeth and we'd just take those kids and hop on the tracks and we didn't have any money you know i was living with my younger brother that i basically sean l and i helped raise when he was like 13 14 15 16 so we didn't have anything at the time at all but we had each other you know and so we'd go to liberty park and run through sprinklers or we'd go you know, we, we get on the, you know, we, we did, we did stuff like that. And it was, was really cool. It was so cool. Some of the happiest moments of my life were in that, that very beginning phase of not having anything but each other.
1: And how interesting is, is that you guys would do that at Liberty Park and you created this warrior strength at Liberty Park as well. So how do, how does that right. feel? Tell us about that. Like, what is that about? I
2: love it. It's, um, you know, just, I just want to share one other thing about my story and my, you know, the journey that I've been through. In 2002, um, I had that big shift. And I don't necessarily like using the term getting sober, but that's what I did. But it was more like a shift in my perception of life, right? I got into a different track. I started behaving differently, thinking differently, and things went so well, you know, just everything was divine. But the one thing that, <clears throat> also continue to happen is even sober my ego continued to grow you know and then I became like a what I thought was like an important person in the in the community the sober community I was in and and I it just I got on a track to where even though I wasn't drinking and using and I wasn't doing you know as difficult of things as I did when I was drinking and using I still started to gear back towards that mindset you know and at nine years sober I, I used again I drank again and went through that process again for another year so nine years sober i i um i start to use again and all that stuff it's just that pathway that goes along with it you know and but I, i like to share it because i think it's important for a lot of people to hear it wasn't the end for me it truly was the beginning for me that you know, that time of, that year that I spent away and that year that I was putting that stuff in my system and that it was so important for me because, and I'm grateful that I did, because I know I could have easily died. But when I got back, I had a brand new set of eyes in my head. And I was just willing to be as humble as I possibly could and, and look at things differently. And and that truly put me on a path to where warrior strength is a community where um I'm a lot more open and compassionate and caring about people, you know, because those first nine years, I was very rigid in my thinking and I was very, I was determined and, and, and to be a certain way. And, 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 you know, now looking back at it, I'm glad that that those nine years happened because I was able to bring some stability to my life and to my family's life. But I'm also super grateful for that relapse because it put me on the path that I'm on today. So if somebody's out there and they, and they've, They've made that decision or they're in that place, it's not the end and it doesn't have to be the end, you know. And don't shame yourself because that isn't helping your sickness at all. Don't do it. Don't do it, you know. So, um, you know, I I was always heavily involved in in that, in the 12 step community, which I have so much love and gratitude for. I've met amazing spiritual teachers there. But again, my journey shifted about three years ago and I was truly introduced to what community is and, um, that's when a lot of things really changed for me internally, as far as my own recovery. And, um, as far as the value that I put in connecting with people and being a student of people and helping people through trying to teach them the things that I've learned over the years. Um, and then that, from that shift has just been this, uh, it's like a lagoon ride. I don't even know what's going on. I just know that I love it every time that I'm on it. You know what I mean? <laughs>
0: so so what, is, what is warrior strength and how can people become part of it? Because, you know, I see your pictures on Facebook all the time and you're lifting, You you shame me all the time. I feel terrible, you know. And I mean, you know, look at that compared to yours. You know, there it's a. You
2: better get a permit for that gun, Randall. You better get a permit.
0: <laughs> so, um, uh,
2: Warrior Strength is a local. You oh,
0: go you, ahead. You put a lot of emphasis on physical fitness being part of recovery.
2: Absolutely. So, uh, Warrior Strength is a local nonprofit. Um, it's geared for the recovery community. We have a lot of people who are family members. We have a lot of people who have uh, coworkers or, you know, we have a lot of people who are affected by um, misuse that are in our community. And basically what 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 Warrior Strength boils down to is we have core values that are based on transparency, transparency, um, compassion, and honesty. If I'm gonna boil it all down, we provide a safe space for people to come together and be wherever they're at. So, um, We talk a lot about holding space in our, in our classes and our sessions. And for us, holding space is just being there for the next person. It's not trying to fix them or tell them what to do or, you know, any of those other things. It's just to say, Hey, we're right here with you. You know what I mean? And, and I've found that, you know, for the last several years, what I've found is there is a healing process that community helps with, you know, and, and it, It's so powerful that like I get to see this change in people before they get to see the change in themselves. You know, I have we'll have people that will come into a class who who have tons of trauma. You know, to be just to be blunt about it, who who you can tell are super defensive because what they've been through, or you know, what people have put them through, or what they put themselves through, and to watch how community can in a safe space can just circle somebody without judgment and without shame and just allow them to be wherever they're at, to watch that person grow and change and evolve is, uh ah, just fills me, my heart up. Like it fills up the most important muscle that we all have, which is our heart, you know? So um, a lot of what we do is just strictly based on bringing people together, you know? And, and for me, the safety component has always been the most important thing and it always will be. And the safety is the physical, the mental, and the emotional right we provide that safe space for them to come in and figure things out with themselves for themselves maybe with help from other people right um, what i do in there is, is just try to facilitate them getting in touch with themselves is really what it comes down to um, every class we start out with breath work that now we're up to two or three minutes of class i teach people how to breathe that's been a huge part of my recovery process and my wellness process um, we always start out with a recovery type um, question that we ask everybody in the group has an opportunity to share about that. They don't have to, but if they want to, they get to, you know, and, and sometimes I, sometimes we go pretty deep, like in a class this week, we asked, you know, what's an old agreement that you have about yourself that no longer serves your greater good, you know, and to listen to people talk about these agreements that they've had that other people have given them or that they've given themselves and to watch them, to literally watch that light come on, you can see them telling themselves, I don't have to do that anymore. You know, I don't have to feel that I'm less than because of my past. I don't have to feel like I'm not smart enough because I was told that as a kid, you know? And it's really cool to watch that energy start flowing and to watch people feel comfortable enough that they're willing to risk a little bit about those things. And, you know, our community now is, Super grounded and connected with each other. You know, we started at the beginning of the pandemic, and the way we started is I had people calling me saying, "Listen, you're gonna train us," and I was like, uh, "I don't know if I am. I don't know what I'm doing." And they were like, "No, <laughs> listen, you're gonna train us." You know, and that's what Rachel was referring to. We ended up just going to Liberty Park with kettlebells and dumbbells and just worked out outside. You know, and that that was a calling from the community. That that wasn't me saying, hey, I want to do this. This was phone call after phone call of like, no, you're gonna do this. We need this right now. We wanna be together right now, you know? And I look back at that and I think, man, that that's all we have to do as a species, right? If we can just come together and know that we're helping each other, share a little love, share a little inspiration, empower each other a little bit, I don't think there's anything that can't be fixed. I really don't.
0: How, how do people, if people want to participate, you talk about classes and things like that. How do they get in touch with you?
2: So um, we're currently creating, I'm trying not to say building. I was told I need to say create because I'm a creative being. <laughs> so I'm practicing my verbiage. Uh, we're creating a website right now, but they can hit us on any, uh, either uh, Facebook or Instagram. Instagram is Warrior6. Facebook is warrior strength six. Facebook is just with the warrior strength group and you'll see us on there. Um, you know, we're, we're in a, we're in a phase right now where we're just getting ready, hopefully through donations um, to, to uh, acquire our own space. We're currently renting space at a great powerlifting gym. Uh, we're doing 11 classes a week. So we have one at least every day of the week. Um, yeah. And all they have to do basically is jump onto that social media platform. I make a post They say, hey, Frank, either I I want to come or I don't want to come. I say, I love you either way. And then we get them into a class.
1: I have a question. Well, regarding the physical fitness, right? Because especially in early recovery, it's very intimidating um, to go in and see people in shape. And I, I think there's two sides to the spectrum because I've also seen how you deal. You are a very strong individual physically, emotionally, mentally, but your physical strength is tremendous, but in that sense, it can be intimidating, and the other side of that that I've noticed is that you have a lot of guys that come and um, gravitate towards you, and they want to go into the gym, and they just want to do all the weights, all the reps, all the things, right, so there's actually two sides to it, so this intimidation or this learning through physical fitness, like what, what is that like, or, or what's your take on it?
2: Well, I believe that strengthening the body physically is actually a spiritual discipline and and it's a huge part of my recovery process it's a huge part of how i want to exist in this world right i know i've learned so many things myself through strengthening my body i mean truly it's it's where i started to learn what discipline was what honesty was i mean because i couldn't lie to myself when, when i when i have the weight right the most, one of the most important things that taught me is patience. It, it, you just, you know, for my friends that come in and they're like, oh, I'm, I'm strong and I'm going to do this and I'm going to lift all the weight and do all the rest. You know, this with me, it's like, no, we're, we're going to go slow friend. And we're going to learn how to do it. And we're going to practice humility, you know, while we strengthen the body. And, and I've had a lot of men say to me, like, at first, I couldn't believe that you were trying to do that to me. And now I understand what that process was about. And that to me is like a life lesson, right? We we talk about it all the time. This is about getting better as a human being. You are not gonna be better if you hurt yourself in any of of the areas, mentally, emotionally, or physically. And in our community, we know what a physical injury can be. We do, right? you grab a weight that you shouldn't grab. You're not being properly coached. You don't know how to do it. You hurt your back. Your entire life could change immediately, you know? And that has always been a focus for me. No matter where I was at before Warrior Strength, in Warrior Strength, it will always be a priority for me. I want to provide a service that is gonna help people get better, not not gonna put them in a position to ever hurt themselves. So that's to address those people. For the other people that come in and are intimidated, I believe that one-on-one interaction with people is important. And I believe that it's important for people to know, especially in our community, that they have a voice that they're seen and they're heard. Right. So I talk with everybody that comes into warrior strength. I ask them, you know, injuries, surgeries, or illnesses that I need to know about because that helps me know what I need to do with them. Right. And, and I ask them experience level. I ask them the medications they're on because there are a lot of medications that can throw off coordination, balance and stuff like that. And, and once I have that information, I basically walk those people through every movement that we do, right, because I don't One, it's going to help them build confidence and two, it shows them hey somebody cares about me, this is a good feeling you know what I mean, and, and as you practice that consistently. As they share in what we do at the beginning and the ending of class, which to me is more important than the weights we lift or the movements we do, you know, we, we always talk about a recovery topic at the beginning and we always talk about gratitude at the end. You know, those are where we do the spiritual lifting weights, you know what I'm saying? But by building relationship and connection with people, you can work through all of those things, you know, it really, it's like the answer. If I can have a communication, if I can have a conversation with you where I'm being honest and authentic, and transparent, you're going to want to do the same with me, you know, but if you're not doing that with me, I'm a lot less likely to do it with you because I feel like I need to be defensive.
0: Good point. We are out of time, believe it or not. A half hour has gone by very quickly. And Frank, I'm still intimidated every time I see you lifting weights on, on Facebook, but... Uh, what can I say? You you do a great job, and you spread the word really well, and you're you're really a wonderful example of, of you and your wife uh, of recovery. Uh, and you know, you told your story about your wife, and it, it's it sounded you could almost make a movie out of that whole story. Think about it, don't you think?
2: Well, I think it'd be a love story. It'd be a drama for sure, because we've had all of it a couple sure. of different times. But yeah, I. She, she could be the star. I'm too humble
0: to be in the movies. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for being with us. Rachel, have a great day. Frank, have a great day. I'll continue to enjoy seeing you lifting weights. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And everybody out there, thank you for watching Odyssey House Journals.
2: Bye. Thank you, you guys. Bye.